journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov and welcome to 101.9 High FM. I'm Adol Kazilski. Been off the air for a little while. I had a long, long break. Um, certainly, I hope you didn't have a break learning Torah. I didn't, but I wasn't around by my microphone to keep you company. I'm glad to be back in my seats and glad for you to join me again as we continue through the mystical texts of the Torah. We are studying the book of Exodus. We're in the Pasha of Bo. And, you know, I love looking at Hashkocha uh, Pratis at Divine Providence. And believe it or not, we are starting in the same week um, as we are going to be reading the parasha of Bo in the Torah this this Shabbat. So isn't isn't that isn't that amazing that we um, we we we're starting to learn again the very parasha that we are going to be reading this Saturday in the <clears throat> in in the synagogue. So glad that you joined me. As always, you can always ask a question or send a telegram on an SMS line 34519 or a telegram number 083. Oh, geez, I have forgotten the telegram number now. Look at that. I just had a minutes, minutes, <laughs> old age. Okay, I'm going to wait till Craig helps me with that one. I will give you that number again. Oh, there I've got it. 0838951019 is our telegram number. So we're going to actually be starting at a very, very exciting um, stage. Until the end of last year, we were reading all about the many plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians to let the Jews go, uh, so, so, so to convince Pharaoh to let the Jews go out, even though he was pretty stubborn about it. Um, and then he gets warned of the final plague, which is the plague of uh, the, uh, the destruction of the firstborn. We discussed all about the Korban Pesach, and um, now we're at the point where dong, dong, the bell turns 12, the, the clock turns 12 o'clock midnight, and the plague of the firstborn comes upon Egypt, and boy, did it cause an absolute tumult. And that's where we are going to start. So we are in chapter 12 of the book of Exodus. We're in verse 29. Vayahi, and it was, and we know when um, there is always a vayahi, it means that there is not good news. Vayahi b'chatsi halayla, it was midnight. Bahashem hikar ko b'chor be'eretz Mitzrayim, God came and smote all the firstborn that were in Egypt. Mibchor Paroi, from the firstborn of Paro, HaYoshev al Kiso, who was sitting on his throne, Ad Bechor Hashvi Asher Beveit Habor, all the way down to the first born of the prisoner who was sitting in the dungeon, Bechor Bechor Behema, and every firstborn animal. So the first question we need to ask ourselves is, why was this the final blow? And as we've been discussing in the plagues, we know that um, every single plague wasn't a haphazard, vengeful God just pouring his wrath on the people, but rather 
Um, it was a midder connected midder. Um, one deed has a turn on another, and every single uh, play was well thought out and punished the Egyptians in the same way that they had punished the Jews. So let's talk about why uh, God would punish the Egyptians with such a horrific um, plague, such as the plague of the firstborn. Well, truthfully, the, the decree had been sealed long ago. Um, if you recall, and we can go back a little bit in time, when Paroth became enraged at the first appearance of Moshe and Aaron, he said then, go away, and it seems like you've got nothing better to do because you're asking me to go on a three-day journey, okay? Um, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make things worse, worse and um, you no longer, you're, the Israelite people are no longer going to receive any straw for making bricks. And we know then that they had to go out into the fields after they had done a day's work, okay? And they had to go and collect their own straw. They stood on like a whole lot of very sharp stubble along the way. Their feet bled, bled. And when they needed the, the straw into clay with their feet, their blood mixed with water until the bricks um, were redeemed um, and, and, and until the bricks even had Jewish blood. And there's a story in the Midrash that tells us that there was a woman by the name of Rachel. She was a granddaughter of Shetulach. And she was very advanced in pregnancy. And she had spent a grueling day in the field gathering straw. And then her husband and her were busy after hours kneading the clay for bricks into a huge vat. But because she was so advanced in pregnancy, Suddenly, she went into labor, and she sadly, sadly miscarried her firstborn child into the clay. Before she could even recover her now dead child, the Egyptians drove her and her husband to a new job, and they took the clay um, along with the dead infant, and they poured it into one of the large clay bricks. Absolute brutality. Revolting. You cannot think of anything worse, though quite honestly, when you think about October 7th, we can understand the level of brutality. It says then that the angel Gabriel descended and he snatched the brick that contained the dead infant and he presented it before Kiseha Kavod, before the heavenly throne. And that night, God convened the heavenly ICJ, that's very, very fair, the heavenly tribunal, and it was decreed that if a nation can become so immoral, so depraved, so brutal, then the midder connected midder, the deed for deed, the measure for measure, will be, in fact, that all firstborn of, of the Egyptians will be killed. And that's why now we will see this absolutely devastating um, plague coming upon them. Another reason why the, the firstborn of the Egyptians were killed was that, if you recall again, back in time, Paro had contracted a severe skin disease um, and he couldn't find any reprieve from it. He didn't know what to do. 
and he was advised that the firstborn Hebrew infant's blood would be a particularly effective cure. And so we're told in the Midrash that every single day he would have three, four, um, three, four hundred uh, infants slaughtered, okay, um, so that he could bathe in their blood. And so Hashem went and said that he will revenge that and he will in fact um, go and kill all the firstborn of Egypt. And this brings up um, in mind the idea that um, we have a saying in Proverbs, Rabot machshavot belevish ve'atzat Hashem hitakum, that many thoughts are in the heart of a person, but it is what Hashem decides that actually comes about. And so we can see over here that, um, you know, Paroi was acting in a particularly despicable manner, in a particularly brutal manner. And um, at the end of times, uh, you can see that he actually got what it is that was coming to him. One more um, idea as to why the, there was the plague of the firstborn, um, and it's alluded into a verse right back in chapter 2 where it says, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned because of the service. What does it mean? So one of the explanations, it wasn't that they only groaned because of the fact that there was um, like a hardship in terms of what they were doing, but when Pharaoh began to murder the firstborn, the Israelites began to moan because the divine service that the Jews conducted was normally performed by the firstborn. And um, only after Moshe and Aaron went into the desert did we get the concept of having the Kohanim, the, the, the priests. But until that point in time, the firstborns were the ones that carried out the avoider, the service. And so their cry because of the service came before Hashem, which means that Hashem saw the Israelites weeping over the personal loss of have, not now having firstborns to perform the, their, their, their services and pray to God. And so now, Paroi's, Paroi um, got it measure for measure. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back, and we're learning uh, chapter 12 of Pasha, well, the, the Pasha that we're actually reading in the Torah to, um, this week. And just before the break, we went through the various reasons as to why um, it was befitting for Hashem to punish the Egyptians with the plague of the firstborn. They acted in the most incredibly brutal manner in terms of uh, the Jewish people, and now they were getting back the, the very same uh, treatment that they had given uh, given the Jews. Now, it's midnight as we spoke, and um, it's the eve of the 15th of Nisan, and it says that Hashem struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. Now, let's just go through what all the firstborn in Egypt um, meant. Firstly, by the way, um, when Moshe made this announcement, the Egyptians begged the Israelites to take their children. And as Jews are, we, we, we're full of Rahmanas, we're full of, of, of compassion. They agreed, they complied. 
and they placed the Egyptian children in the same bed as their own children. But when the plague struck, the Egyptian children were killed, while the while the while the Israelite uh, children slept right next to them and were spared. There's um, two opinions as to when the plague actually took place. According to one opinion, it began at midnight and it lasted until morning. Another opinion states that it came at the stroke of midnight and all the, the firstborns were killed in one, in, in one instant. Now, who was killed? Firstly, it began with Paroi's firstborn because he was, his firstborn was the heir to the throne. Okay, so that was the end of him. Um, and then it went and struck a number of the royal princesses whom Paro had imprisoned in his royal dungeon. They too were killed because they were ones that loved to watch the Israelites suffer. Now, generally, when things are, are bad, when, 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 when there's difficulty on the ground, what really happens is that if there are slaves and prisoners, they tend to take the side of um, the people, other people who are imprisoned. Because um, generally, oppressed people tend to join together and respect each other. There was such a heavy prejudice against the, the Israelites that even the slaves and the prisoners hated them because the Israelites were very different. They were different morally, spiritually, and the, the other prisoners couldn't tolerate them. So they could have gone free. They could have taken the side of the Israelites. They didn't. Um, and they, they chose to remain in the dungeon. And therefore, any firstborn that was sitting in the dungeon, um, they, they, they died as well. All the firstborn animals um, in Egypt also died. The first animals to die were the sheep because the sheep were the sheep were um, were the sacred animals of of Egypt. So remember, when God is destroying everything, He is also destroying um, their gods. So the first god that they destroyed um, is the sheep, and then all other animals sacred to the Egyptians also died. Um, so nothing, no animal um, that. Had, that had survived all the other plagues, if they were firstborn, they died. And the Midrash also goes and says that um, one of the other reasons that God killed the animals along with the Egyptians was to show that on that night, both of them um, died alike. Now, even firstborn Egyptian slaves died. Okay, so that's what we said about the dungeon. Um, they all died, and don't think that the firstborn was only there for the male um, contingent of society. Firstborn girls and women also died. So it didn't matter whether you were a firstborn man, a firstborn woman. It was irrelevant when it. If you were a firstborn, that was it. It didn't matter whether you were male or you were. Female. There was one exception to this entire um, story, and that is um, Batya or Bitya. 
Batya was the Egyptian princess, and she went and um, saved Moshe from, uh, from, from, from the river. She had compassion. And so when there was a, uh, when there was a decree against all firstborns, Moshe prayed she should be spared. Now, we're told that there is a verse in Proverbs. I'm trying to look it up now. I was supposed to do so before I came online. Just going to find it now. Um, it's part of the the um, the Eshet Chayel that we read, um, that we actually sing on Friday nights. The husband sings this to the to to their wives. There is a verse. It's verse 18. It says the following. She senses her merchandise is good. Her lamp is not extinguished at night. Um, and that um, is the fact that uh, Batya saw Moshe Rabbeinu as good merchandise. And that's why her light was not extinguished, meaning on the night of the death of the firstborn. Then if you want to get really particular about who died, um, how do you consider somebody firstborn? Is it firstborn to the mother or firstborn to the father? Well, it was irrelevant. Whether they were firstborn of their fathers or their mothers, they died. Okay? And it goes as far as saying that because Egypt was steeped in immorality, completely steeped in immorality, there were many, many times where there were firstborns that people didn't even know. Say a woman committed adultery, she felt pregnant with an adulterous child, even though she was married to a guy and she'd already had a firstborn. If she had intimate relationships with the adulterer and felt pregnant with the adulterer, that was considered a firstborn, and they too um, passed away. Now, um, the, the, the torment around this became even worse insofar as um, anybody, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll do this actually afterwards, I'll, I'll, I'll go back, I just want to say one more thing and I'll come back to the torment. There were people that were saved in this plague um, and the marshal, the parable is given um, about a king who made a feast for his child and on the same day he said he was going to kill all his enemies. But he said, whoever is a friend of my child, okay, you can come and join us in the, the celebration and you won't die. Um, and so anybody who came to the king's palace didn't die. Similarly, any Egyptian um, who actually understood the severity of what God was saying, if they decided to join the Jewish people, and decided to participate in the feast, of, the feast of, of Passover, they were spared even if they were firstborn. Also, by the way, just going back to all the, all the firstborns that died, if a woman was pregnant with her first child on that night, she miscarried. Okay? Um, the only firstborn that did not die, the only one in the, in the whole of Egypt, was Paroi himself. Why? Because God wanted to spare him 
until the splitting of the Red Sea, where it would be the complete absolute end, and he would see complete destruction there. So the bell goes dong dong, it's 12 midnight, whether it happened straight away or whether it happened progressively through the night, you can just imagine what was going on in the land of Egypt with children dying all over the place, people dying all over the place, people that didn't even know they were firstborn, dying everywhere. By Yakam Paro Laila, who? Paro stayed up that night. Who? Bechol Abadab, all his servants, all his officials, the whole Mitzrayim and the whole of Egypt, because just it was basically a massacre. It was a massacre across the board. Um, and there wasn't a house in Egypt that there wasn't there was there wasn't tears, there wasn't screaming, there wasn't crying. The entire Egypt was in an absolute and utter turmoil. So Hubu Abadam Batihi, and there was there was a tremendous scream throughout the whole of Egypt. Because there was not one house where there wasn't a death. Absolutely horrific. Right? Um, so, when, uh, by the way, this, this is where I wanted to say how horrific it actually became, that when children died in Egypt, Egyptians would, would often make a large portrait of the dead child in a kind of chapel as a remembrance. And if this child was, in fact, a firstborn, even the portrait of the child crumbled and its dust drifted through the house. And this was exceedingly painful. So even if there was a house where there wasn't a firstborn or the child that died was a firstborn, their picture would crumble. Um, and this was exceedingly painful for the parents. It was as if they were re-experiencing their child's death. Um, amongst the lower classes, what would happen if, uh, if children passed away, they would be buried in courtyards. And again, on that night when there was um, this plague of the firstborn, dogs started roaming all over the place and they went into the courtyards and they frankly frantically started digging up the bones of any firstborn child. It says that the dogs invaded um, a special place called the city of the dead. They started digging up human bones. They started chewing on them. And for parents of, of firstborn, it just meant that their children had just died a second death. So just if you really close your mind, I mean, close your eyes and imagine what was going on on that night from the, the strike of the clock at 12. It was absolutely um, horrific. Um, it seems that um, also what God did was that there were lights in the sky, okay, that night. Um, it made the place bright as daylight so everybody could see what was going on. It wasn't that people were groping around in the dark. As it says in Tehillim, night is as bright as day, darkness is as light. So God caused a miracle, and there was a lot of light so that everybody could go and see the absolute devastation that was happening in the courtyard. 
Where were the Jews? Where were the Israelites? God had tranquilized them. All of them had taken a sleeping tablet and made them sleep peacefully. They didn't hear the screams. They didn't hear the cries. Um, they slept through it. They did not feel the forces of destruction that was filling Egypt that night. Um, and that was that. So now we're going to see what actually happens with with uh, with with Paro. If you recall, the last time that Paroi was in the uh, Paroi was in the in the, in the uh, sorry Moshe and Aaron was in Paroi's court. Um, Moshe and Aaron said, "You will not see us again." Paroi kicked him out and said, "If you come back here again, I'm going to kill you." Right? So don't I don't ever want to see your faces again. And Moshe and Aaron said, "That's fine. We're happy with that because we're not going to see you either again. In fact, the next time you see us, you're going to be coming to us." Okay, um, and this is exactly what happened. By Paroi cried out to Moshe and Aaron by Yomer, and he says, Kumu, get up, Tsu, get out, Mitochami, from amongst my nation, Gamatem, you too, Gamben Israel, also the, 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 the children of Israel, Uhu, Itu, et Hashem, Kedabenchem. Go and serve God as you've said. Also your, your sheep and your cattle. Take um, as you have said. Go and please bless me. So Yaparo was like investigating the situation. He had gone to his official homes to determine the extent of the plague. He realizes that is that 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 Egypt now is in an absolutely catastrophic position. He realizes he has no time now to sit on his fat throne and start asking for Moshe and Aaron to come to him. And we all know, as as what happened, as I explained, is that they're never walking back into the palace again. So what did he do? Okay, he had to run through the cities of the uh, the streets of the city. And trying to find the two brothers, Moshe, Aaron, he cried out, where are you? And this is where we have the famous little kiddies uh, song that every kid, little kid in nursery school, uh, Paroi in pajamas in the middle of the night, that there was Paroi. And there he was in his little pajamas running around the streets of Goshen looking for Moshe and Aaron. Now, where were Moshe and Aaron? They had remained in the Egyptian um, capital because um, earlier Moshe had said to them, one day all your servants are going to come and bow down before me. So he was waiting. He was basically saying that Paroi himself would come. Out of respect of royalty, he had to say, uh, he couldn't say it outright, he said all your servants, but they were waiting for the time where Paroi, crazed in his pajamas, was going to come prostrate himself before them and beg them to let the people go. Now, the Jews had a bit of fun with him, okay? Um, they wanted to have a bit of revenge. So when he came into the land of Goshen, seeking the brothers, saying, where's he, where's he? The Israelites gave him all sorts of wrong directions. Um, and before long, they had him completely, he was completely a madman, he was screaming, get out, get out. He was screaming to everybody who he saw. 
you, you, all you Israelites, leave my country, go worship your God, do whatever you want. Um, and eventually, when he does find Moshe, he says, go worship your God, just as you said, you can even take your sheep and cattle and just go. Okay? Moshe and Aaron heard Paroi, but they weren't moved, and they didn't answer him. They just heard Paroi begin weeping, and they remained completely um, unresponsive. And truthfully, if you look at what Paroi is saying, Paroi is not saying, I'm letting the people go. He's letting the people go so that they can sacrifice to their God for three days. He had every single intention for the Israelites to return. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is 101.9 High FM. I'm Edel Kozulski, and uh, we are going through the absolutely um, dramatic turnaround of good old Paroi um, and uh, his insistence now that the Jews um, leave. And we're going to do one more verse because not only was there the horrific um, death of all the firstborns and all, all, all those that we spoke about, the animals, the, 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 the humans, the destruction and digging up of bones and the, and, and the crashing of portraits of firstborns, um, there was other civil unrest. Let's look in. We're looking at verse 33 of chapter 12. Now what happens is that you have the civil unrest that the Egyptians are urging the people. What? To do what? They're telling the Egyptians, are telling the Jews to hurry up and to leave the country. Because they all went and said, Kulanu metim. We are all dead men. So when the Egyptians saw Paroi uh, returning from his encounter with Moshe, number one, they tried to kill him. Okay? Um, the Israelites are sitting there watching the commotion. They're busy completing their Passover celebration. They're singing songs of praise and thanksgiving. And Paroi is begging his gods to go find Moshe and Aaron, tell them to tell the Jews to, 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 to leave that night. But they were not interested. The Egyptians themselves, before Paro comes to Moshe, says to the Jews, can you guys just all get out? Okay, they realize that once a man is dead, he is dead. And if they allowed the plague to carry on and on and on, very soon all of them would be dead. Okay, so really what happened was that um, there was a rebellion, and we actually did speak about it. When Moshe announced that there would be a, the death of the firstborn, there was a rebellion of all the firstborn against Paroi. And um, when Moshe said to them, you're all going to die, they stormed the palace. There was huge civil unrest there. And we were told, we are, we are told in the Midrash that 600,000 Egyptians were killed. There was infighting between, between them all. Then came the plague that killed all the firstborns. And then it says that when Paro saw his own firstborn son die, he took a sword and he killed all his advisors for telling him not to free the Israelites. Um, so when, you, you, when we see in the verse that it says that Paro got up at night, he was up at night, Medros tells us he got up like a madman. 
He himself started killing everybody he saw. He went to the palace of his advisors. Um, he was murdering them and their families. And the carnage just went on and on. There was blood, blood guts, and gore everywhere. And so Paro in his pajamas coming to Moshe was really there for him to try stop the, the rivers of blood that were actually uh, flowing in, in, in Egypt. And when um, Paro groveled at Moshe's feet and he's saying to them, leave, get out, get out now, get out now, get out now. What does Moshe say to him? He says, we cannot. We can't leave right now. It's like in the middle of the night. Because Hashem commanded us that no man should leave his house until morning. And anyway, why should we leave right now? We like criminals in the middle of the night that we need to sneak out in the middle of the night. Are we running away from something? We're not doing anything like that. We're going to leave like mentioned. We're going to leave during the day when all your people will be able to see us and let them see what, what becomes of your slaves. And besides, said Moshe to Paroth, the Midrash tells us that he says, you kept us a slave for so many years, what difference will a few hours make? Um, we are told that while Moshe was talking, the royal princess Batya, Bitya joined the group and she said to him, I raised you as a son. You were brought up as a royal prince. And is this how you are paying me back? Because when I saw you lying in that basket, um, should I have realized that you would destroy my land? So we're told that Moshe Rabbeinu said to her, have you personally been harmed by any of the catastrophes? To which she answered, no, I admit I have remained safe. And are you at uh, a firstborn of both your mother and your father, yet you're still alive, said Moshe? So Batya responds, what is this worth to me? Yes, I am alive now, but what is it worth to me when all my brothers and all my family are dead in the palace? All the children are dead in the palace. What good is my life? To which Moshe replied, it is not you who have been punished. When God said to Paro, let my people go, all your relatives advised them not to. They blasphemed against God and they deserved to die. Now, remember, Paro is listening to this completely dumbstruck, okay? Um, and he was listening to this whole conversation between him and Batya. says that he couldn't take it anymore. He threw himself at Moshe's feet again and began pleading, don't let me die, don't let me die. I'm also firstborn. Moshe replies, you can rest easy, at least for now. Although you are firstborn, you will not die because Hashem wants you to live and see that he is the Lord of the whole world. But please, says my Paroi, get your people out of Egypt as soon as possible. Every minute you delay, more and more Egyptians are dying. If you remain here until tomorrow, no one will be alive. So it says that Moshe held Paro in a gaze like a bird grasping a sparrow. And he said, you are so concerned with your people that you want the plague to stop. Then just go through the city and make this announcement to my people. Say loudly, you are your own ma masters. You need only serve God. Although you were slaves, you are now free men. We have no more claim on you, for you are the servants of God. And guess what? Poor old Paroi was so desperate. 
okay, that he went around the Hebrew quarter and he said what uh, he said what Moshe requested of him and um, he basically let the Jews go. It's almost, almost, there's a sense here um, of what happened later on, much later in history with um, Haman and uh, Mordechai where he was forced to go around giving honor to something that he refused completely to give honor to and eventually he meets his own uh, his own death. So I think we're going to wrap it up over here. Um, for next week, we are going to start looking at how the Jews actually physically walked out of the land of Egypt. So this is 101.9 High FM. I'm Adel Kozilski. Thank you for joining me and have a wonderful week ahead.